Let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 103. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, ye mighty ones who do his word. Obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. We'll be focusing on verse 10. We'll, we'll be kind of going through the whole psalm, but the verse 10 will be our theme. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Beloved in the Lord, we've seen the memes. 2020 says to 2019, hold my beer. And many other wry jokes about the character of this past year. And within recent memory, it's, it's probably been one of the tougher years as a whole that we've had. The beginning of the year, many churches were talking about having 2020 vision. And in, retros in retrospect, that justifiably causes us to cringe a bit. But in light of Psalm 103, I want to encourage a different perspective. Let's approach this past year with gratitude to God and what he's doing. He's doing his work. He's revealing his judgments. And he is with those who fear him. 2020 has revealed a lot. Where do your ultimate loyalties lie? What do we love the most? And more will be uncovered. God is in his heaven and he searches the hearts 
of men. For the Christian, the one who puts his faith in God, God does that as a father who has compassion for his children. For me, and I only speak of this because I might share with this attitude with many of my brothers and sisters, I was caught asleep like many, or, or like the disciples in the garden. You know the story, the disciples are told to watch and pray with Jesus and they fall asleep. And in many ways, I see my own failures revealed in the light of 2020. It's by God's grace that I can stand here today, still speaking of our God and to desiring to present his righteousness in every part of my life. I chose Psalm 103 today because I want to remind you of who God is. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love for me, for you. And he does not deal with us according to our sins. I want our hearts to be filled with gratitude so that we can sing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He does not deal with us according to our sins. God's discipline is meant to call us back, to teach us to grow. If it was actually a punishment for sin, it would be something far worse than the relatively light trial of this year. Although not all of us, I am careful to add, some of us may well have had much heavier trials in this time. But overall, as Manitobans, we deserve far worse than this relatively light trial. So I bring you the word of the Lord under the theme, our deliverer does not deal with us according to our sins. First, we're going to see the works of God, and that roughly I'm roughly dealing with verses 1 through 14. And that one, and then the works of man, verses 15 through the end. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalm opens with thanksgiving or, or a call to thanksgiving. How do you even begin to glory in a God who has given us such indescribable blessings? Our hearts experience pain as they are stretched out to have a beginning of the fullness of love and praise and thanksgiving for our God. And this, beloved, is his char character who forgives all your, who forgives all your uh, sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He is the deliverer. Do you remember him? Congregation of this same Lord, what he did for you, how he sent his son to die for your sake. We go to the death, crucifixion, and resurrection of Christ as our foundation. Here, God 
proved his character, proved his love for us. For Israel and David, it was the events that prefigured the work of Christ. God's rescue of Israel from Egypt. God is the great Savior. He is the Deliverer. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. These are the acts of God. He comes to his oppressed people. Who are the oppressed? Those who cry out to him. Those who trust in his name. Whoever you are, you may be saved by faith. And those who believe might not even fully realize the fullness of their oppression. Not every Israelite was happy to see Moses begin God's work of deliverance in Egypt. For David and for Israel, this was the great example of God's deliverance from oppression. God came and demonstrated his lordship to the Pharaoh. God took Israel and he brought her into the wilderness where he taught her to rely on him. He showed his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. And if we know the stories of Numbers, Deuteronomy, this Israel was foolish, weak, still holding on to a slave mentality, hard-headed Israel. But he revealed himself to her as the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. How much more do we have? The Lord has come in the flesh and died for us and has rescued us, delivered us from the great enemy of mankind. Not Pharaoh, but sin. He promises his full protection as we seek to follow that way which was revealed in Jesus, the Savior, the Deliverer. Nothing, says Paul, can separate us from the love of Christ. Yet too often we still have that slave mentality. We look at the drunkard and the whore caught in a cycle of abuse and violence. We would never do that. But apart from Christ, we are no different. We love the comforts of the flesh and we return to them too easily. The things of this world quickly become much more pressing than the things of heaven. But the glory of it all is, is the love and the mercy of God, how he manifests that as we wander from him. He disciplines us so that we will return to his love and care. And that discipline... It has an end point. It has a purpose. He will not always chide. He's not going to keep on chastening. If we, if, we, if we feel the chastening hand of God on our lives, we can know because of his love that it will come to an end. He does chastise us. He disciplines us. But he disciplines us as a father disciplines his son. A father doesn't want to discipline his son. He doesn't want to take, he doesn't take joy in that. But he wants, he disciplines his son because he wants something for his son. 
so that we grow in our relationship with him, so that we will better reflect who our Father is. Nor will he keep his anger forever. Christians can feel distant from God. They can feel separated from his favor, especially, as, as, especially if they're wandering from God. It can also be the work of God in encouraging a greater maturity. This is not, of course, a true separation from the bonds of, of God, because even there, God is bringing his people back to himself. Even when we feel that anger, on the other hand, God's calling us back. And that's demonstrated in this text. These trials, too, will pass. And if I haven't been clear, then let me be even more clear. The trials that God gives us are not punishment for sin. They're not punishment for sin. They are meant to bring us closer to God. They are meant for our good. When God disciplines us, that's not a punishment. That is a calling back. We ought to respond to trials by coming to God, pleading with him, calling upon him as our great deliverer. We ought to respond by recommitting ourselves to him more fully, more fervently than we did before. And we can feel weighed down in those moments by the sinfulness that still clings to us. We forget that next promise that God does not deal with us according to our sins. When the winds of a frowning providence blow in our direction, our old natures rise to the, the surface. Substance abuse, lust, anger, malice, bitterness, fear, those are the natural responses of the old nature that we seek to crucify. And when we're in trouble, these quickly rise to the surface. Our knowledge of that can actually draw us away from God and his goodness. We can feel that our response in the trial, even, even if it was a good response, only makes things worse. Because all our actions are so filled with sinfulness. But do not look at yourself. Look to God. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. We heard it from Lord's Day 14 a couple Sundays ago. His flesh, filled with perfect innocence and holiness, covers my sin in which I was conceived and born. And knowing this, we can sing with David the following words. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far. You know those sins we've just been talking about? So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Two images says, fill us with wonder at the indescribable love of God. We don't know how far out the heavens go. 
And if you keep going east, you're going to go east forever. Those sins are gone for good. It's a way of saying infinite love, infinite and steadfast. And these, these images that boggle the mind should fill our awareness of the last image. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. His fatherliness is full of that infinite and almighty love that we just heard about. And yet at the same time, it's as deeply close and intimate as a father for his children. And that fatherliness is for all those who fear him, those who recognize his love, his power in his almighty hand, who recognize that there is nothing better in life than to serve this God. And like a father, he knows his children. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He created us. He sustains us. And how much more can we confess this in Christ? The Father who created us knows our frame, knows that we are dust. How much more now that Christ has come and borne our flesh? Who was tempted as even we are. He knows us. He knows our struggles. Therefore, he is patient with us. That recognition turns the mind of the psalmist to who man is. And that brings us to our second point, the works of man. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. This is weak man. Man is created finite. We just talked about infinite love. Finite is the opposite. It means we have limits. You can only jump so high. You can only run so far. If we look to the things of earth and see the petty goals and fears of the majority of men, we see this quite clearly. Men all over the place are trying to make a legacy, trying to, in the words of Ecclesiastes, to shepherd the wind, imagining that they can build something lasting. This is folly, and as the preacher says, vapor. Mostly translated as vanity, but vapor. You can't hold a vapor in your hand. And without God, that's what the world is, the vapor. It's merely a grasping after wind. Without God, the work of man is vapor. It lasts for a moment in it, it, and it is gone. But... But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. When you find your strength, your everything in the mercy of God, when you fully throw yourself on God's love and mercy, your works no longer need to be a vapor. But they are founded on a foundation that is 
eternal. The truth is, the fact that we have forgiveness of sins, the fact that he does not hold our sins against us, that allows us to build something lasting in God. This vaporous world is not vaporous in the same way because God is everlasting. And our names are written in his book. If he, if he remembers what we have produced with the, with the talents he has given us, that is everlasting. Build your work on God's foundation. And what God emphasizes here is, is family. Our name lasts from generation to generation. Somewhere back there, I don't remember his name, but God does. Azekfeld, possibly a different form of that name, or even before that last name existed. Azekfeld trusted in God and gave his family a legacy that stands forever. He never produced any great work. He never did some political act that made it to the history books. But he believed in God. And God's steadfast love is from everlasting. Even though on earth his name is forgotten, it's not forgotten in God's book. Think about your own family history and God's faithfulness in that. Probably, if you're going back to great, great, great grandfather, you probably don't know anything about them. But they believed God's promise and their legacy is you. Maybe you don't have that in your background. Then God offers you an opportunity to be grafted in him, to be established in him, so that he may be with your children's children. And even if that is not possible, we can think of the eunuchs of the Old Testament. God promises that your name will be with him. That steadfast love continues to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. This is not works righteousness. Rather, it's the fact that when God delivers us, we are freed. As we read in Romans 6, we're dedicated to a life of praise. Think of the robes the bride wears in Revelation 19. These are the good works of the saints that are given to her. This is the greatness and the glory of the love of God. So people of God, press on and hold to his covenant. Fear God and keep his commandments. Not only because that is the command of God, because, but because of how good God is and how wonderful his love is. Watch and pray. And he will give you what you need so that you may do that. And all of that, all, those, all of those gifts should work in our hearts an outburst of praise. The psalm begins with David calling his soul to bless the Lord. 
He wants to dedicate his whole being to the praise of God. As Paul says, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. And when you draw near to him, you are connected, bonded with the Lord who established established his throne in heaven in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all you're you're connected to an eternal god so let us receive that intoxicating grace and be filled with music and praise before the lord of hosts May our praise spill over into the world so that the whole world may be filled with the praise with praise to the glory of the Lord of hosts. That's where this psalm ends. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I began by challenging you to look with gratitude upon what God has done in 2020. Let's thank God for his kindness, how he has stayed with us and kept us always. And that will give you a foundation for 2021. 2021 will not be the year where we gain control of the world. In 2021 and beyond, our plans and frantic activities will continue to be like herding of the wind. It's in drawing near to God where we find unshakable certainty. Bless his holy name, O my soul. All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing to our God from Psalm 103. Let's sing verses 5, 6, 7, and 9.